Over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace, Millard, Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Thank you, everybody, for a, uh, a dynamite uh, season in which we uh, brought to you the Vegas Golden Knights 50-plus uh, uh, games in the regular season, all these uh, postseason games, and it didn't end the way we wanted to, the uh, way you wanted it to, or the way the players and the organization wanted to. But uh, first up, uh, out of the gate, uh, thank you for being with us uh, on this uh, great ride. Uh, we will dissect what happened in Game 6 last night, and uh, to a bigger extent, uh, what uh, occurred and went down in the series against the Montreal Canadiens. And we'll also flip the page over to uh, examine a little bit about, at first glance, where the Golden Knights go from here. And I don't think it's uh, going to be a, a lot of changes, but uh, wait, what they did from last year's bubble to this year was significant as well. So uh, never, never count out uh, the big, bold move from the Vegas Golden Knights. And we have a significant Game 7 as the Montreal Canadiens await uh, their opponent in the Stanley Cup Final. Will it be the New York Islanders, who haven't been there since 1984, or will it be the Tampa Bay Lightning, who haven't been there since 2020? Very different droughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I mean, I've got my prediction. I think I know who wins tonight's game between the Islanders and the Lightning, and uh, we'll save it. We'll save it. It's a little bit of a tease here, but mm -hmm. I, I've got my opinion on what I think happens in tonight's game. So in hour number two, are you okay if we open up the phone lines and just uh, hear from the, the fans and hear from mm -hmm. uh uh, our loyal listeners and callers and uh, just get an idea how they're feeling today and knowing that that the season is not going to continue and it falls uh, short. Now, one more win than a year ago uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, losing in six games in the Stanley Cup semifinals. But given that it's Montreal, I wonder if it hurts a little bit more or is it the same as falling to Dallas? And in looking at it, like they're very similar opponents and similar series. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dallas kind of came out of nowhere. I know that they were a top four seed uh, last year going into the bubble and part of that round robin, but everybody was talking about St. Louis, Vegas, and, and Colorado, and it's Dallas that came out of that route and didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, right. Montreal, n <laughs> nobody was talking about Montreal, and they... They were 18th in total points in the regular season. They were a four seed in the North Division. And they come out of nowhere, find their mojo, put it all together from the, the trade deadline acquisitions to the preseason uh, trades that uh, Mark Bergevin made. And they're into the Stanley Cup final. But as I look to next year with the divisions going back to normal, they're going to be hard-pressed to make the playoffs. 
because yeah. they're, they're a team that, uh, yeah, is built for playoff hockey, but just trying to get there. Like, they weren't in the top 16 this year. So, it, it, similar in the sense. And uh, in, in talking to Adam uh, 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 Hill about this, uh, this, how do you plan and how do you game plan for, for lack of better terms, a one-off? It's very difficult. You, you plan to beat Colorado. You plan to beat Minnesota. You plan to beat St. Louis, some of those teams. But a one-off, how, how, do, you, how do you do for that? How, how do you get around that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, outside of just saying that you've, you've got to find a way to prepare for every single different scenario that comes your way, um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Now, I think it's a little different in terms of where the Montreal Canadiens are right now versus what uh, the Golden Knights saw in Dallas last year. With Dallas, you had established stars in, in Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn uh, in Alexander Radulov that were kind of there and and you expected at some point that they would go on a run just because they've been around for for quite a while uh with the canadians a lot of what is propelling them right now in this playoff run is the emergence of nick suzuki the emergence of cole caulfield and Jesperi kakaniemi and players like that who are are really kind of the ones that are, are the catalyst here so it's different circumstances though the teams are feel similar uh as they did last year with dallas and and they feel similar as to what you might expect from montreal next year though I, I look at the Canadians as a team that I feel like is, is more on the rise than maybe where the Dallas Stars were after their Stanley Cup final appearance last year. That's the interesting part about Montreal and where they are in their development. Is this a one-off or is this right. a club that could build and challenge uh, in that division against the Bostons and the Torontos, uh, uh, some of those clubs, uh, the Tampa Bays? Uh, is, is it that type of group? And, yeah, they can defend. They could defend last year. But they've added that ability to counterpunch. And even on the winning goal, that was a counterpunch uh, where uh, they staved off an opportunity by the Golden Knights and went down the ice off a faceoff and scored. And, and that, to me, is, is the most impressive part about one, what Montreal. They, it wasn't total kitty by the door and try to uh, rope-a-dope you. Uh, they they mm-hmm. could they could come down and uh, and give you some real challenges offensively. Oh, 100%. And, and they were incredibly opportunistic in terms of executing on the opportunities that they had. It was not very often where Montreal got a an odd man rush and didn't find a way to at least get a really good quality look on it or put the puck in the back of the net. And you know, it's it's always interesting. It's always funny when you start to look at the matchups and you start to look at who's playing against who and, and you look at the work that Phil Deneau, Brendan Gallagher, and Arturi Lekkinen put on the Golden Knights in shutting down Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Max Pacioretty, and then those three guys are the ones that convert on the, the game-winning series-ending goal. Um, you know, they're just a team that kind of lives that ethos. They they are going to defend, and then when they get an opportunity, if you make a mistake, they're going to put it in the back of the net. Let's get through the, the series and find out why Montreal moves on and the reason why Vegas is done. And is there uh, an area? Because goaltending, yeah, like that was as good a goaltending as we had last year in the bubble or better mm. uh, from the yeah. Vegas Golden Knights. And in the, the tandem... It did its job. It did its thing uh, in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Defensively, uh, well, the the defensemen all scored <laughs> in this series. 
and Alex Petrangelo played his best hockey of the season. Shea Theodore wasn't at the same level as he was last year in the bubble, but Petrangelo was was as good or better. So I think there's there's some uh, trade off there, but you didn't you didn't lose anything on on the whole level. I think if anything, you gained it uh, with mm-hmm. the with the play of of Alex Martinez, and then you get to up front, and that's where not only the big boys not scoring, but the power play. Can you can you boil this whole series down in in absolute simplicity? to just the Vegas Golden Knights not scoring on the power play as the one difference. And if you fix that, they move on. If they get a couple of goals, they move on, and you see the alternative. Is it is it that basic? I think that's kind of where it starts, right? It starts with the Golden Knights' inability to score on the power play, especially when you take a look at what Montreal was able to do. I, they were able to find opportunities and convert on their power play chances, and the difference in this series here and there were a couple of goals. That's really how close it was. Yes, there was a a wide margin victory for the Golden Knights. There was a wide margin victory for the Montreal Canadiens. But everything else, one goal game. And in a one goal game, if you're getting power play opportunities and it is sucking momentum instead of and not converting, it's going to be hard pressed to win a series. And you don't have to. I'm not talking going 25 percent in the power play in the series. Neither am I. I'm talking yeah, about neither am I. One goal in one game that puts you over the top and gives you the momentum. And I thought Pete DeBoer's comments last night after the game talking about moments and breaking through and capitalizing on those moments. And it's it's the same as what happened in game three will be remembered as as a as a turning point. I don't think it 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 was the difference in the series, but it's a turning point. Uh, a power play goal when you don't have any, you think about three two games and and the Montreal Canadiens being able to win those three two games. Does the power play come through for you and turn that one goal loss into a one goal win? Yeah, I I think that that's kind of where again I, I start there. I I certainly kind of expand it out beyond the power play to, you know, your top six and and I I it's interesting because you get some points in the series from William Carlson. You get a, a goal last night from Riley Smith. You you don't get the production, I think, that you kind of depend on or look for from Jonathan So You didn't get the production that you, you look for or depend on uh, from Mark Stone. Patch ready, a goal and a couple of assists. So production from the top six was down in this series. And listen, there's another team on the ice, and, and I just mentioned the work that Dano Gallagher and Lekkonen did in this series to shut things down for the Golden Knights. But at, at some point in these playoff series, you've got to find a way to break through. And so you just, you're going to need more next. If you're in this situation next year, you're going to need more from your top six outside of just converting on a power play. A year ago in the Dallas series, I felt frustration for generating chances and not being able to capitalize. I got I had a different feeling about this series. And it's it's difficult to articulate, but uh I felt like the, in this series it was almost like Vegas not being able to get the game back to the level that they needed to. Last year it was the frustration of getting opportunities and not converting. And I, I just 
in reflecting on it over the last uh what 13 hours uh, that I've been awake uh, for, for watching uh, and, and being able to analyze this. This one feels like it was more there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there were certainly moments, right? And, and you, you already mentioned Pete DeBoer in his comments last night about how the Montreal Canadiens owned the key moments in this series. And, you know, if the Golden Knights were able to win a couple of those moments, maybe it goes a different way. And, and I do think that you know, there were pockets within each game where Montreal was better than Vegas, and there just wasn't enough from Vegas to turn those moments into extended periods of time for their game to get established. And, you know, playing from behind against this team certainly doesn't help issues either. Uh, and, you know, last night was a, a key a key point in that. The Golden Knights had to chase the game all night long. And then when they didn't have to chase the game after Alec Martinez scores to make it 2-2, two to two, I thought the Golden Knights were able to get to what they do so well. I thought the last 6-7 minutes of the game, Vegas was pouring it on, and if they could have found a goal right then and there, it would have been great. But the period ran out. They had to regroup going to overtime, and it allowed Montreal to kind of weather that storm and take back that moment. And yet Max Pacioretty had the golden opportunity right yeah. before Montreal wins it. Uh, another way to, to try and um, break this thing down is if you tell me before this series starts that Montreal is going to win in six games and it would be 15-13 in total goals scored, I would have said, boy, Carey Price had the series of his life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Carey Price, with all due respect, had the series of his life. Uh, he was good. Uh, and he deserves the win, and he came up with timely stops. But I I think it was Montreal's forwards and the ability to counterattack and counterpunch that played a more significant role than Carey Price. Yeah, I, I don't think that Carey Price had the series of his life. I think that Carey Price was good when he needed to be, I think that he understood certain instances within a game where he recognized he couldn't give up one more goal, uh, specifically that save that he makes in Game 3 on Alex Tuck. Like That is a, a key, mm -hmm. key moment. And then you mentioned the save in the overtime on Max Pacioretty. That's just Carey Price making a play. He didn't have to do it often in this series, but every time he had to, he did. And that's where I say the, the difference in the series was Vegas not getting back to the level of their game that we saw against Colorado offensively and Montreal's ability to react to an opportunity and be able to put the puck in the net. Uh, it was, this was won or lost by the forwards on each team. The, the two blue lines were, were a wash. Uh, the, the goaltending was a wash. It was mm -hmm. Montreal's dynamic ability which we didn't see during the regular season or didn't see enough of uh, to, to make them anything but a fourth seed in what was perceived to be the weakest division in the game. Uh, and that mm -hmm. was very evident in the positive side for Montreal. And, and Vegas wasn't able to match that in, in at least head-to-head -head between the two, uh, two forward units. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, we we look at the Montreal Canadiens and we try to to say where did this come from, right? Like where did this dynamic ability come from? And, you know, it's not going to be deduced or reduced down to just one player, but the insertion of Cole Caulfield and the the ability for that player to find space and score goals was one of the big differences in this series. And he didn't score in the playoffs until this round, right? He didn't pick up his first playoff goal until this round. But as soon as he found the back of the net in the playoffs, it's like all of the confidence switches like, like went off for Cole Caulfield, and he was out there just trying to make plays. So was Montreal considered a Cinderella story? um yeah i mean i i i think they kind of have to be right like uh, you you go through your division and you take care of toronto you take care of winnipeg who was able to sweep the edmonton oilers the best player in the game Connor mcdavid who had a hundred point season in 56 games out of the playoffs and you sweep that team and then you go in and for all intents and purpose purposes uh, play a great series and beat a team that had 40 wins in 56 games um yeah i mean you're a 24 win team from the regular season in the stanley cup final you're absolutely a cinderella story to me because if you if you bake these teams and you you look at uh, the pan over here and the pan over there and montreal mm-hmm. goaltending is a wash. Like, Carey Price is great. Jake Allen, good, good backup. And they don't make the playoffs without Jake Allen. Uh, but the, the the Jennings Trophy winners over here, uh, that makes that a wash uh, to me. You've got you've got future Hall of Famers on both sides. Uh, defensively, I, I'll take Vegas' blue line uh, over over mm-hmm. that of, of the Montreal Canadiens. And up front, there's not, it's not even a chance, uh, a choice. If, if you're taking Montreal, then you're a card-carrying member of the Montreal Canadiens fan club. That that that's it, <laughs> compared to uh, what you see on the on the Vegas Golden Knights side, and that's all due respect. Cole Caulfield, you got some uh, confidence and swagger that I think was a big influence. But you have you haven't played a full season. A Suzuki, you're still rounding in form, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not. The, like, I, I apologize uh, if I'm offending any Hab fans, but uh, let's get by that. Uh, on, on on paper, it's it's the Golden Knights uh, that are the team. Mm-hmm. So somehow Cinderella. The ghosts of Montreal, uh, whatever uh, the spin you want to put on it, ha- have done something here. And I, I talked about it during the course of the, of the postseason. When, when something starts with that franchise, 86, 93, those were at the forum. Yep. And, and, and now 2021, there's, it's, it becomes a magical story. And if you believe in it, you believe in it. If you don't, it's just a team coming together, but that's one of the only ways that I find uh, to explain how that Montreal club can beat a golden Knights team in six games. And the golden Knights only allowed 15 goals in those six games. So you're, you're reducing it down to ghosts. I'm, I'm saying doing? ghosts of uh, all the power. And it might be the ghosts of, of the bubble too, uh, that affected the, <laughs> the, the, the Vegas golden Knights <laughs> offense. I don't know. Uh, Ed Greeny had a line like that uh, in, in his column today. There, there, there might be, might be that, but um, it's, it's an upset that uh, I think when we look back, maybe of, uh, of more historical proportions 
than we realize right now. There was and, nothing supernatural about that, by the way. What's that? The 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 Canadians' victory. There's no ghosts. There's no there's no uh, jinxes. There's none of that nonsense. Ghosts of the form or whatever. Montreal just outplayed them. I see. I don't, I don't see that they outplay them. I thought Vegas played great in two games. Well, One Montreal. was a bit of a wash, and Montreal played great in in a couple of games. I throw out the the, the two four one victories because to me that those were both aberrations. They they were not a a. a, a what the series actually was. They were they were close games, but at the end of the day, Montreal made the plays. Montreal forced Vegas to 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 maybe play a different way that they weren't comfortable with. And and there's no ghosts. I mean, it, it sounds funny though when you say it. I like it. I, I wish that was the case, right? Like, hey, there were ghosts and that's why they lost. But breaking news on the VGK Insider show, uh Chris Chapman <laughs> is now debunking the the theory of the supernatural. Do we, do we have to get those ghost oh, hunter guys to uh what, what, no, yeah, who's yeah, the guy that yeah, owns Chapman, the, the, we're gonna, the monster we're, museum we're gonna downtown? Send you, we're gonna send you to Zach Baggins, <laughs> yeah. um whatever it's called, and you're gonna have to spend a night in like a haunted place. No, 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 you're gonna, no, no. You're gonna report no. back to us as to whether or not there are ghosts. <laughs> Absolutely just, not. Like, Absolutely like I don't okay. Not. So so I'll, I'll I mean, show up listen. there. Because today's my Friday, but the, but the the last day that I'm that I can't make fun of Chapman. Uh, if we yeah. do, if we send him to that place like tomorrow on, I'll show up mm-hmm. at that place to give him a little supernatural. No, I I am I am I am scared of that type of stuff. So uh, so how can how can so, you how can you be scared of it and then you debunk my my theory? Well, that, don't believe it. That history plays a role in it. Well, that, that the supernatural stuff scares me. I'm just saying that the supernatural was not involved in this Montreal Canadiens victory. You're talking okay. out of both so, sides. No, no. So I stayed at a haunted hotel before. It, it's it's not it's not fun. Did you get haunted by ghosts? I did not, but some of the players on the minor league baseball team I was with they 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 were a little afraid. They they were bunking up more than usual. Usually only two guys in a room. They were doing four or five guys in a room. Well, I saw Serrano in major league, and he believes in the supernatural. <laughs> Let me just say, when you're talking ball players, Serrano, for bats. Serrano uh, was was a full uh, buy-in. Well, he was came, in the voodoo. Came, came yeah. time for uh, for supernatural. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I I don't believe in the ghosts of the forum. Like I, I don't believe in that, and that's totally fine if if you go down that road because I think it's all semantics when we argue the same thing anyway. This, to me, was a team in Montreal that recognized they were underdogs going into this series, recognized that they were on a great run, and I think that there's something to be said for a team that that gets to play in a situation like this where the pressure of the moment is not necessarily all on them. Yes, there's pressure for Montreal in this moment to get to the Stanley Cup final because you never want to waste an opportunity. I understand that. But I don't think the pressure for Montreal in this series was the same for Vegas coming off of a decisive victory in a series against Colorado, a team that a lot of people didn't expect the Golden Knights to to beat in six games. So when you kind of get over that hurdle, right, you beat that team that that you, you really spent all season preparing for, and then you've still got two more rounds to go. I think that you can kind of be susceptible to being caught by a team that's playing free. Except, and that, to me, were the Montreal Canadiens. Except Vegas won the opener in decisive fashion and mm-hmm. were so good in game three. And then the fluke happened. 
Like, it, it, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there can... was a fall fall off. I don't think there was a drop but off uh, a bit, uh, after the Colorado series. There I just didn't see it. Well, in in fairness, there wasn't, as you point out, there there wasn't really a fall off until Game Four, right? Game Four, we all agree, was not a good game for the Golden Knights. Game Five was perhaps a flatter performance for Vegas than that than what they had in Game Four. Game Six, I thought they came back and and really give it a good gave it a good go, but. You talk about Game 3, and you talk about how, if the Golden Knights win that game, how much different, what does the landscape look like? Sure, they didn't have a drop-off in in that regard, but they certainly didn't get that moment that they needed in Game 3. And you talk about that play with the goal being kind of a turning point in the series, and I think that it absolutely was that. You gave the Montreal Canadiens life when you didn't need to, and that's all that team needed to grasp on and believe that they could win this series. So do you feel do you feel like you gave it your best shot and you got beat by a bounce and, and a power play that didn't come through? Or do you feel like you needed to do more beyond just the power play and the fluke? Because there's two ways that, that there's two different answers to that question. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like the Golden Knights, given what their expectations were going into this season and given where they were at and the opponent that they were facing, I think that this is a situation where the Golden Knights look at this and say, we had to do more. We had to control larger periods of the game within each game. We had to control more of the mo- more of the big moments within this series, and we didn't, and, and we've got to do better next time to control those moments and not have the other team control them. Okay, and one more on the ghost thing. Yeah. Montreal Montreal lost his coach in the middle of the series. Their their yeah. interim coach. Yes. And then they had a fill in coach take over mm-hmm. running the bench. And they brought in the goalie coach who hasn't been on the bench all year to run the defense. Yeah. And and they still I think that's a moment. Mm-hmm. they still man yeah. I just it's it's it shouldn't Maybe. work. It shouldn't work. So yes, you're right. But I remember when the Golden Knights had Kelly McCrimmon behind the bench because they didn't have their coaching staff available. You made the point in that moment that you might have guys even more hyper focused because you know that this is that that the guys on the bench for this game are not normally on the bench in this situation with these players and you get an even more focused effort you get a more galvanized team as much as you want to reduce it to ghosts i just think that you had a montreal team that that understood the the situation and were trying to win one for their coach and were more galvanized around that fact i think uh, well scotty's still with us uh, i have to get scotty on the program uh, to talk uh, scotty bowman uh, to talk about uh, uh, the coming up against uh, expectations and trying to break through because his Detroit teams mm-hmm. had to break through uh, yeah. be- before they finally won. So uh, that might be a, a guest for next week. Uh, let's work on that. You know, it's funny uh, you mentioned the goalie coach because it's Sean Burke, correct? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Well, here's what's funny about it. I don't know if <laughs> there could have been a better guy in that situation because Sean Burke was constantly at T-Mobile Arena when when we had like last season. He was scouting and he was checking out when he was he was he was here a lot watching this team. So yeah. he, he he knows this team pretty well, probably Buddy. more so 
But are you making my argument? He was scouting last year. Yeah. But and now but, he became the goalie coach halfway through this year when they scouting? fired the goalie coach. He was constantly at T-Mobile Arena watching the Golden Knights. He knows this team. He no, he knew... wasn't watching just the Golden Typically. Knights. He was, no, he was no. coming over from Arizona Typically because it was scouts closest. to do. It was it was he was watching the other team too. He, well, he but usually if, you watch one team when you when you scout a game, you watch one team. Okay, well he was here a lot. Yeah, and he got to see the Golden Knights play in person a lot from high up. So True. he he knows a lot about this team. So the guy that was just happened to be scouting <laughs> last year turns the series around. No, no, but but you brought it <laughs> Sounds up. Sounds like ghosts to me. You you brought him up, so I'm I know, I'm, I'm pointing out that, that there was not a, ghosts. Jeez, it's not ghosts. You guys ever been I'm to the do form? A poll. You guys ever been in the form? No, I've never been to Montreal. No, I don't care. But like, okay, I don't care if it's haunted. <laughs> but I don't it care. Doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. They weren't playing at okay, the well, forum. Okay, well then why are we? Then why are we bringing? What are yeah? We're not even playing at the forum because they brought it's not the them ghosts over. of the forum. Listen, I know, I know you're over. a big really? Scooby Doo fan. Yeah. Is, you like Scooby Doo? Hold on, was Bell Center was Bell Center built on the ashes of the flo- of the forum? No, it's a, uh, the forums. Then you don't bring them over. That's not a thing that happens. Yeah. This isn't the haunted mansion. In in cabs. We're not capturing the, ghosts and the one, bringing them into Bell Center. Wait, is there Uber? It's ridiculous. They use that underground, right? There's like the underground in, in Montreal. Uh, and Darren's watched Ghostbusters one too many times. I've always taken the surface uh, roads in Montreal just to get a little flavor. Got to call Winston for it. Uh, Bankman. When we continue, big game seven tonight. <laughs> Who is who's Montreal going to play? Will it be Tampa Bay or the uh, New York Islanders? Who like the Montreal Canadiens? Like they they passed off the torch Montreal to the Islanders in dynasties in the seventies to the eighties, and now they could loop back in twenty twenty one. But the Tampa Bay Lightning have something to say about that. And then we're going to open the phone lines uh, at the top of hour number two to allow you to have your say and want to be respectful, but want your honest opinion on what you're going through today, how it feels, and uh, and where you assess uh, this season. This season as a whole, not just the series, but the season as a whole. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Boo. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Leading his man down the middle, Dan out to the left, the shot, they score! Montreal wins! Stanley Cup bound in 2021. Vegas Golden Knights fall 3-2 in game six. The series go towards the Montreal Canadiens 4-2. And you should know that uh, that was the first time ever that Montreal, despite uh, the most Stanley Cups in National Hockey League history, has ever won the Campbell Bowl, the Clarence Campbell Bowl which is traditionally awarded to the Western Conference champions, but uh, and, and they, they're in the East. But this year, it's all jumbled up. So uh, uh, just a one-off there. It's weird and uh, and bizarre. So a bit of a bit of a little piece of history uh, thrown in there just to try and distract you from what uh, what occurred last night. So we have a game seven tonight. Montreal will uh, face the winner of the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, hour number two is going to include your phone calls. Uh, so get ready for that. We'll give out the number 702-876-1340. Don't call yet, but uh, put it into your phone. And uh, at the top of the hour, uh, we want to hear from you and uh, find out how you're dealing with this. But uh, who is the, the favorite to come out of this game seven tonight in Tampa where the New York Islanders will try to win back-to-back games after losing 8 nothing in Game 5. It would be one of the most incredible rallies in Stanley Cup postseason lore. 
Okay, so the New York Islanders are going to win tonight because who doesn't want Montreal New York Islanders to be the Stanley Cup final when the NHL could have very easily just as 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 simply had Vegas and Tampa. Like I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Who doesn't want to see the Islanders, the Canadians, and what may be the most interesting matchup of counterpunchers to ever play the game? So are you saying that the Islanders Montreal series would be slightly dull? Um I okay, so I'm I'm coming around I think on the idea that the Islanders are dull or that they're boring. Like I think Matt Barzell is worth the price of admission when he is going and he has been going for the majority of these playoffs. And I think the best thing that ever happened to the Islanders is that they are allowed to play when they fall behind. So any, any situation where the Islanders fall behind and then they open things up and you get Matt Barzell at peak form, I'm all for it because that is not boring. Um, I I just like the Islanders in this series. I don't know why I think they're going to win. I just have a feeling that the Islanders are going to find a way tonight and head to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Islanders haven't been to the Stanley Cup Final since 1984 uh, when they lost to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it was uh, five straight trips to the Stanley Cup Final for the New York Islanders, uh, who won the Stanley Cup four straight times. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, last won the Stanley Cup in 1993, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are the defending champions. So uh, their storylines abound when it comes to these clubs, and two of them are droughts, and uh, one of them is trying to repeat uh, in the salary cap era. The the New York Islanders, though, uh, are a team that, that plays the game a little bit old school, like feisty, in-your-face, mm-hmm. dirty, yeah. Uh, across the line, they got a break that, and it was Mayfield that that hurt Kucherov the other night. And Kucherov's taking the pregame warm up tonight, uh, so it looks like uh, he's going to give it a go uh, at the very least. Uh, Mayfield that hurt Kucherov, and then Mayfield scored the beautiful goal uh, to tie things up. Uh, I, I like the way the Islanders play, and Nadia and I had this conversation today on on nighttime at noon. The Tampa Bay Lightning kind of fit the mold of what Montreal's been successful against, though. I know. And I know they, they wouldn't have to change their game at all against Tampa Bay after beating Toronto, Winnipeg, Vegas. Like, it's, it's pretty similar. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that in terms of a matchup, right, like the Montreal Canadiens know that they can beat a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now Tampa is a is a very very different animal because they are just so deep and so talented and it's not just in terms of their depth but their high end skill has just been absolutely fantastic in these playoffs. Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, really pick your poison and we're not even talking about Anthony Sorelli. It's just weapons up and down the lineup. But If we've seen anything from the Montreal Canadiens, it is the fact that they have taken some of the best players in the game, offensive players in the game, and they have completely shut them down. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty. It it has happened, and I I think it's fascinating if we get Tampa and Montreal, but I, I just, again can't get off of this feeling that it's going to be the Islanders tonight. Uh, there's a, a feeling, a prevailing feeling out there that the National Hockey League trade deadline has kind of jumped the shark. 
and it's not near as impactful as it used to be. And I've been part of uh, like 15 trade deadline days where you're on the air for 10 hours uh, waiting yeah. for trade. Some days uh, there's there's tons of action. Uh, the last few that I did, there was uh, not as much, and you're you're kind of you're you're coming up with unique ways to uh, keep yourself entertained as much as uh, as the audience. Uh, this this matchup, if it ends up being the Islanders against the Montreal Canadiens, would breathe whole new life into the other general managers around the National Hockey League when it comes to trade deadline day, because Montreal did significant. Uh, adjustments to their roster on the trade deadline. And the New York Islanders got ahead of the trade deadline with Lou Lamorello swinging the deal with the New Jersey Devils and brought in a couple of hugely impactful and influential uh, veterans. And, and and Tampa Bay, you, you can make a case, are the defending champions because of mm-hmm. Julian Brisebois' work last year on the NHL trade deadline. So uh, that whoever it ends up being, in fact, uh, I, I think people are going to be able to point to uh, the National Hockey League deadline as a big reason why you've got the final that you do. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right in that. And, you know, we've seen kind of different approaches to the deadline. We, we've we looked at players that, that you know, especially when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens, and, and they're, they're having to deal with quarantine and having to kind of figure out when to make the move, when to make that trade for a key player and and then try to fit all that in seamlessly and you know then you've got time you you need time to kind of acclimate the players and we've seen with Lou Lamarillo that he is not shy to go in on a player before the trade deadline to give more games to get acclimated and I think in this season it's absolutely paid dividends uh, John Cooper against Barry Trotz uh, like is there a difference between these two coaches when when you're when it comes time to planning or plotting for a game seven, uh, both are Stanley cup champions and recent Stanley cup champions. Uh, both are, uh, are Notre Dame hounds, uh, a, a hockey Academy or a college in, in Regina. They both come from the same sort of background grooming uh, in their, in their uh, formation years in the, in the sport of hockey. There's some similarities there. And I, I think that's a total wash uh, goaltending like Vasilevsky in one game mm-hmm. to beat uh, Varlamov. <laughs> yeah. I like, I mean, I, well, I like that, but Varlamov, did he not show some metal in, in being down two nothing the other night and, and come up with some big, big saves to buy his team some time or buy or give them a chance to win? Yeah, no, I, it's interesting. Like it, you know, you look at, the the numbers for Andre Vasilevsky and the fact of the matter is in the playoffs he doesn't lose two games in a row he mm-hmm. just doesn't do it he's eleven and zero in in said instances after a, a loss so I mean all things kind of point to Andre Vasilevsky but you know in in game number six it was the first time that Vasilevsky over the last three opportunity four opportunities that he didn't have a shutout in a closeout game so maybe there's something to the Islanders getting to Andre Vasilevsky a little bit but you're you're absolutely right on Semyon Varlamov I, I think he's played fantastic in this series and he really really had a strong game in game number six I I give the edge in goaltending obviously to Tampa because they've got Vasilevsky coming off of a loss but I, again it's it it's probably irrational but i have a feeling 
it's going to be the Islanders. Islanders can turn it in. They've they've at times really uh, greased up this series and had it mm-hmm. uh, yeah. had it into a street fight. Uh, I worry about the penalties uh, that the New York Islanders take at times, but I think that's part of the DNA. They have to, and they have to find ways. And they they did that the other night. If Kucherov, that that'll be fascinating to see how much Kucherov plays. Whether he ends up uh, just skating for power play mm-hmm. time, and we discussed yeah. that uh, that yesterday that uh, that maybe he just goes out, and Derek Englund said, dress him just for the power play. If if he's fifty percent, but he can shoot a little bit, then he doesn't yeah. have to skate. He just stands at the uh, the New York Islanders blue line, steps across when the puck goes in, and he stands on his on a sidewall, and he gives you that option, and that's all he plays. Uh, is that worth worth it? It's, it'd be very unhockey like, but sure. You, like their their power that power play could have put that game away the other night, and they didn't have Kucherov. They still had Stamkos, who uh, last checked is a pretty good player, but the <laughs> the uh, and they still had Point, who uh, scored yeah. goals in nine straight games and can tire uh, the Riverton rifle Reggie Leach from Riverton, Manitoba, uh, with the National Hockey League record for goals in ten straight. Uh, playoff game like scoring a goal in 10 straight games i don't care if it's exhibition yeah. or regular season is impressive uh this this idea that that Braden point can do it in playoff games is wacko good see and that's the interesting thing about my my take on the islanders when they're behind they they play really exciting hockey fun hockey i i enjoy it well, you just have to come into this game already recognizing that you're down one to nothing because Braden Point will score, yeah, score at some point. So, like, you, you just, you, if you're Barry Trotz, you look at this, you say, okay, we're down one nothing. Braden Point exists. Let's just go out there and pretend like we're down one nothing. It's an aggregate series, right? Like when, they, when, when you play the, <laughs> Basically. Uh, the home and away in, in soccer uh, circles. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank goodness, uh, uh, like, away goals don't count uh, for more. Or else uh, it, it could be interesting. <laughs> like, here, here's one more point as, as we talk about the Islanders uh, playing Game 7 against Tampa Bay Lightning. And then we're going to get back to the, to the BGK and your calls and your participation in the show. The last time they played at Amelie Arena, Tampa Bay won 8 Cobb. Like, tell me that's mm-hmm. not in the back of your mind a little bit. Or are you just so happy to be back and giving your chance, yourself a chance to be back in that, in that arena? I, I think that you are motivated to not let that be your lasting memory in that in that building. So I think that fires up the Islanders even more. We've uh, we've known uh, the disappointment of getting to a Final Four and not be able to get through and capitalize on it and win a Stanley Cup. The New York Islanders, like that's that's the other side of the bracket to the Vegas Golden Knights, back to back years. Coming up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, trying to get through. Last year, they lost in six games in overtime. Uh, lost in game six in overtime. And watch Tampa Bay win the Stanley Cup, trying to get over that hump tonight. Very similar to what uh, we witnessed uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll take a break, come back, uh, and set up uh, hour number two. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here's Carlson out high in the slot. Petrangelo shoots. Glove save Price. Rebound. Score! Price could not secure it. Vegas has tied the game. Alec Martinez poked it through the legs. 
This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Oh, we got a spirited conversation on social media about the ghosts and whether or not they have a legitimate influence on what happens. Every now and then they just step up and they're countered. Like in the 70s, the 60s, Montreal didn't need the ghosts. They, like, they were the current players. Now the ghosts from those teams in the 60s and 70s are all influencing in 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 86 in 93 and now in 2021 uh be part of the debate uh, be part of the conversation uh when we open up the phone lines at the top of our number two but do they Ryan, have names Ryan, the ghosts um yeah bob for sure doug jean hey hoser jean bellable uh, the, the, there's, up, uh, I know, I know what he was doing. He was, he was trying, but it didn't really work because By there's, the way, there's the actual ghosts. I have a great Darren drop. I'm just waiting for the right time to use it. Well, that would be a first that you would wait, right, Ryan? <laughs> well, I have to wait till you, till, you, till you say the right <laughs> yeah. thing, and I and I can drop yeah. it. Even Ryan's with me on this one. Yeah. That, that yeah. it's the biggest surprise there is that you would wait. Uh, the number is 702-876-1340. The phone lines are open. Uh, call us. Let us know uh, your reaction, uh, how you dealt with the disappointment, uh, where you are oh, with the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, the disappointment of, of falling. But a 40-win season and got to the final four, the Stanley Cup semifinals, for the third time in four years. Uh, We'll open up the phone lines and hear from you next on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.